Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Claire Crumb. Claire is on a mission to support nonprofit leaders and social entrepreneurs to increase their capacity to reach next level milestones. With a background in volunteer management, event planning, and momming, Claire is a certified director of operations and she leads teams with a mind towards efficiency and utilizing the unique individual strengths of the entire team. The leaders Claire works with at Calm Ops value intentional action to build a foundation for growth that will support their goals for work-life balance and is tailored to the unique mission, vision, and values of the organization. During this conversation, we talk a lot about connecting your company and your team members to your values, how to find the right person that match your mission and values when you're hiring, and how to really get out of that hustle culture as a business owner so you can focus on that higher level role that is going to take your organization to the next level, whether you are for-profit or a non-for-profit company. We also wrap up this interview with some conversation around Claire homeschooling and what she has learned and homeschooling and how she runs homeschooling with her multiple kids is highly connected with hiring and growing your team and that they are skills that are essential if you want to be successful in the workplace and want to run a successful team. So let's jump into the conversation so you can get all this information. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hi, Jamie. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Can you kick us off with telling our listeners who you are and a little bit about your business? Sure. I am Claire Crum. I am the founder CEO of Calm Ops, operations consulting agency. We work with social enterprise entrepreneurs and nonprofit organizations to increase their impact with resources that they already have. So we're helping them to optimize their operations with planning, process, and projects um, to really help them make big impact in their communities. Awesome, I love that. As a person who works directly with nonprofits in my area here, and then someone who works with nonprofits a lot throughout the hiring process, like they make such a great impact. And sometimes I feel like they focus so much on the impact that they're making that sometimes the internal operations do get kind of put to the bottom of the to-do list. It's like, all right, all hands on deck, let's just do what we need to. Everyone's very mission-driven. They're focused so much on the outside that they don't focus enough on the inside of their company. 
Yeah, I see that happen a lot. And unfortunately, that's something that society kind of puts on them too, right? Everybody, um, funders and donations and things like that are very program um, specific. They really want to see what those outcomes are. And so it puts a lot of pressure on organizations to really focus on the area, but they're doing themselves a disservice sometimes by um, putting to the back burner some of these operational issues. And so really, if we can bring some focus there, ultimately what that does is it helps them be more targeted, be more effective and efficient in their work. So they're actually then able to produce better, higher outcomes. Right. Right. I totally agree with that. And for anyone who's listening that you're like, well, I'm not a nonprofit. Is this going to apply to me? I think nonprofits and very small businesses are very similar in a lot of ways. You know, you might not be focusing on the dollars that you're raising because you're, you have to go out and support your programs, but you're still thinking about revenue because you want to get paid and you want to be able to continue growing your program. And for small businesses, typically it's still all hands on deck. You're hiring people that are wearing multiple hats and you yourself as the business owner are wearing multiple hats. So there's a lot of similarities. So if you're not a nonprofit leader, don't automatically tune out here. There's going to be a lot that's good for you too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I think nonprofits and definitely small businesses, the same like struggle with a lot is, is hiring and getting the right people on the staff. And sometimes it is because they're wearing a lot of, of hats. They need people that can come in and do multiple things instead of one specific thing. So any tips and advice in that area when these businesses or organizations are going to hire? Absolutely. So it really starts with being crystal clear about what it is that you need. And we can do that in a number of different ways. But the way that we work with our clients to do that is by starting with evaluating what the mission, vision, and values is of that organization or business. So when that big piece is in place, that is ultimately our compass rose that we can come back to. And so then we can look at the different objectives that you have in place and maybe, you know, part of those objectives are bringing in team members and, you know, what is it that you need them to do? And is the work that you're asking them to do related back easily to, you know, this bigger picture so that you know that you're bringing them in to do work that is meaningful and not necessarily just, you know, scope creep even in your own business, right? Um, And that also then sets the, team member up for success because you have this clarity around what it is that you are asking them to do. And that sets great expectations and is really a a boon to your company culture when you can have those really clear expectations laid out for everybody, um, because that's how we can know how to succeed, which is what we're all looking to do in these types of organizations and businesses, particularly, I think. Yes. Yes. Music to my ears. I think that's everything that I always say. And I love how you said, you know, kind of making sure that really what these people are doing is something that's needed and you're not having scope creep within your own business. And I think that is so important. And, and sometimes I think we view that scope creep as adding on and doing additional things that we might not be doing today, but sometimes that scope creep is, is, is already existing, correct? Like you're doing things in your business or in your organization that you don't really need to be doing. And instead of just hiring and handing it off and delegating it, sometimes you have to evaluate things to say, 
should I be doing this? Should our organization be doing this? Is it worth paying somebody to do this? What is the result that we're going to get? That's exactly right. And you hit the nail on the head when you said, now I'm paying somebody to do this. So you have something that's maybe on your task list day in and day out that is superfluous. And so the knee-jerk reaction, and a lot of times what we hear from coaches and gurus is to delegate. Well, yes, delegation is definitely a part of scaling your business. But if you delegate the stuff that is not necessarily needed, now it's, it's costing you even more because it's not maybe costing you your time, but it is costing you your business um, dollars that could be put towards other, other objectives. Yeah. And I think one thing we have to keep remembering is our time is valuable. So even something that just costs us our time before we delegate it and we're paying someone else, that is still time that we're not getting back. It's time that could be dedicated to something else. It's time that could be spent even outside the business. It's time that could be, you know, in thinking of a nonprofit world, putting towards doing something of value within a program or time that could be used, spent speaking to a potential donor of the organization. So the time is valuable. So even though you might not be paying, we shouldn't be wasting time. That's exactly right. You know, we have skill sets that only we can do, that only we can use in our business or organization to move things forward, or that we're the best suited to, you know, we have the best suited skill set for those pieces. And if we're spending our time on all of this other stuff and not utilizing our gifts and talents to the fullest, then we're doing a disservice to the business. And so then, you know, that's when you start to evaluate things like what needs to be delegated, what needs to come off of the task list altogether, what are the tasks and actions that we are taking on a daily, weekly, quarterly basis how are they related back again to that mission, vision, and values? Um, because if they're not, then that's a pretty clear indicator that we're, you know, kind of spinning our wheels. Right. Yes, yes, exactly. So you talk about the mission, vision, and values being very clear of what you're aiming for, making sure like you're kind of bringing in the right person. One of the questions that I get a lot is, okay, we want to make sure that this person actually cares about our mission. And so they want to find that out in the hiring process. And sometimes they just want to directly ask people what they think about the mission and stuff like that. And I always had to remind people. If you ask somebody, they know what their company they're interviewing for or organization, they're going to say, yes, of course I care about that mission. Of course it means everything to me because they want the job, whether that's true or not, that they care about the mission. They want the job at that point in time. That's why they're interviewing. So do you have any advice on how you can really uncover whether someone really cares about the mission and would be the right person for the mission and values and everything during the, how do you identify that during the interview process? Yeah. Well, the way that I like to ask that question is how do you exemplify these values in your own life? You know, kind of bringing, bringing that experience in so that you get a little bit more clear of a picture about, you know, how it relates back to that individual person. And, you know, I also think that it, it's fair to, um, expect that they're not going to have the same level of passion, maybe as you, the, the founder does. Right. Um, but that is not necessarily 
mean that they're not going to be great at what they do and are excited to serve the mission that you have. And so I think it's really about getting to know people at a human level and meeting people um, at a values, because that's really where we can identify how we are similar and how we can really be excited to work together. Yes. Yes. I like that. I always say, ask about things that they've actually done in their life. So I like that. Like, how do they exemplify these values in their own life? I I feel like that is going to bring out such a better example or such a better, um, connection and are they really connected to those mission and values rather than just say, well, like them knowing I read on your website that this is a top value of yours. So of course I'm going to list it as a top value of mine because I did my homework. All right. Prove that it's a top value of yours. If it really is, you have something to tell me here. Exactly. Yeah. Love that. All right. So of course we talked a little bit about the, the importance of kind of delegating and making sure you're delegating the right things. But I feel like when you're a nonprofit, especially a smaller nonprofit or a small business where you really still only have a few people, it's so easy to still feel in that you're a part of the hustle culture. You have to hustle. You have to have a lot on your plate. If you don't have a lot on your plate, you're possibly doing something wrong. So let's add more to it. What else new can you do? So what is what is your opinion about kind of this, this hustle culture that is out there and how do we, I don't know, is it the right place to be when you're a small organization? Well, you know, putting my mom hat on particularly, I would say absolutely not. And I think that it's really kind of exciting to see how society is starting to look at that. I think given, you know, what we have come out of the past couple of years, people are really starting to evaluate um, what balance looks like for them. Right. And, you know, the hustle culture really does a disservice to us when it comes to, you know, not only our businesses, but how we're able to show up outside of, you know, working. And so the way that I um, encourage people to evaluate what that looks like for them is to go through a strategic planning process and, you know, looking back to the mission, vision and values, what are the things that you are doing And does it make sense? Are we actually moving forward towards these goals? Um, And oftentimes, you know, we're we're putting a lot of stuff on our plate because it feels necessary, but we haven't necessarily stopped to evaluate fully um, how necessary it is. What is the ROI on this action that we are taking? Is this um, spaghetti that we're throwing against the wall, right? What we really want to do is take some of that extra off of our plate so that we can amplify what's working. And when we do that, we don't have the need for as much of the other actions and filler. And, um, you know, they all seem important because there's lots of ways to do things. And we have lots of people in various industries helping us, you know, with different ideas of how to grow our business. But when we get really targeted and specific about what we're going to do, we actually become much more focused and like laser focused and able to get to our goals and objectives that much quicker. Mm, yes. I love that. I was recently having a conversation with somebody about marketing in a business and the difference between doing marketing tasks because it's what everybody does and doing marketing tasks because it's what moves the needle in your business. And those things of like, stop trying to do everything. What is working? 
What is giving you the results? Double down on those items. Forget about everything else. And like you said, I think I think it's true with everything else in your business. What is working? What is not working? Double down on what's working. You don't need to worry about hustling and trying to fit everything into your schedule. Right. It's all about simplify to multiply. If you can, you know, not just this, they're taking less time because you are actually not doing as much stuff. You know, if you take all of these tasks and you say, okay, this we can get rid of this, we can delegate, but you also become more efficient at the work that you are doing. Right. And so you become quicker and more effective in that work. Um, so that feels easier too, which is another way to kind of manage how much energy you are putting out. Yes, definitely. Okay. So here's one thing that actually this this morning, I was having a conversation about this with somebody was to run a business. Like typically there's, there's two things. You have to be a good people leader and you have to be a good kind of like task leader because things need to get done in your business. What advice do you have for someone that starts, starts a business because they're really good at the thing that needs to get done. And now they're struggling as they're starting to bring on that team because they're not really the best people leader. And they need to move from doing to leading. Yeah. I think that that's a great question because it all starts with self-awareness, right? What are the pieces that feel sticky to you and why do they feel sticky? What is it about leadership that feels hard or that isn't going quite as smoothly as you thought it might? And so a lot of times that starts with us, the leaders and some internal thoughts that we need to kind of work through. and you know, so on a practical level, it goes back to the clarity, right? What exactly is it that you need for this team member to do? And have you communicated that to them in a way that they have a full understanding of how that looks? Um, In Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book, she calls that painting done, right? So they have very clear expectations on what it takes to succeed in an organization. And that both helps them Um, feel like they know how to do the job because, you know, we've all been in situations, maybe worked with leaders that have not communicated that kind of stuff very well. And we feel like it's, you know, baptism by fire situation. That's, you know, how we want to bring team members into our organization. Um, But it also helps you to feel a little bit more peace and trust in the relationship because you have communicated really clearly exactly it is that you need from that team member. I love that. And one of the things that I kind of want to clarify, because I feel like um, sometimes when we talk about having clear expectations and something I talk about all the time, you need to know what your expectations are and you need to set, you need to tell people so they know how to achieve your expectations. But I feel like there are some times where it stresses business owners out because they're like, this is the first time I'm working with someone in this position. The first time I'm trying to get things out of my head and into someone else. And I don't even know where to start to really set those expectations because they're, they're so focused on um, possibly their personality is being perfect in a way. And they think they need to communicate the perfect expectations. And so if you're listening to that and you're like, okay, that stresses me out even more. One of the things I say, it's okay not to be perfect. And sometimes that expectation you're setting with your team is I might screw up and not tell you things perfectly. I might tell you X and Y, but I forget to tell you Z and I'm not going to realize I forget to tell you Z until, you know, you come back with X and Y done. And 
just know that I am growing as a leader as you are growing as a team member in this organization. I might screw up, bear with me, especially if it's your first time leading in the organization. And I don't care how many times you've led people outside your organization, when it's inside your organization and you're delegating tasks that have always been yours to someone else, even if you already have 10 other team members in your organization, when you start letting go of more and more tasks of your own and giving them to other people, it is sometimes... There's sometimes that uncertainty when it goes to leading that person and telling them what to do because you're used to doing it so much yourself. You don't know how to communicate it to other people yet. So just have that open communication that you're not going to be the perfect leader here and, you know, kind of like communicate that ahead of time. So, and accept when you realize that you didn't tell them everything that they needed. So that way you're not correcting them from a negative perspective, but you're giving them more information that they need from a positive perspective. That is so key. I love how you are encouraging folks to really have the permission to be a little bit vulnerable. You don't have to be perfect when it comes to these things. Absolutely. And you're still setting a great expectation about clear communication, which is that sometimes it might not work, you know, just exactly like we wanted to, but we can still have discussions, we can still grow together. And, you know, even to say that is a great way to be clear with your team about how you want these working relationships to go. Right. Yes, exactly. All right. There's another thing that I want to talk about, and it's the concept of um, attracting team members to nonprofits and smaller organizations. And I feel like one of the things that sometimes is a challenge with attracting team members is pay. Sometimes it's lower pay because we don't have all the funding yet. We don't have all the money yet to be able to pay those higher salaries and stuff, but we still need, we still need the help. And then sometimes I feel like organizations get stuck into thinking, all right, I'm a small organization. I'm a nonprofit. This is all I can afford. And they're not willing to challenge that thinking of let's pay people better. So I guess that's kind of like can lead into a two-part question is one, how do you attract people to nonprofits and smaller organizations where the financial incentive isn't always there? And I know sometimes it's, it means they're coming because of the mission, but people still need to get paid even if they're attached to that mission. So that's kind of part one. And part two is, have you ever had to really challenge an organization on what they can pay a position versus what that position's actually worth in the marketplace. Yes. So you're right. That does happen. And I think in some cases it, it's a mindset issue. And, you know, again, unfortunately we have some societal things that, you know, make it a little bit tricky when you're talking about nonprofits, particularly, um, you know, if you're a startup organization, you don't necessarily have the same hurdles to get funding that you do if you're a nonprofit organization, right? So there's a little bit of a double standard that they are um, having having to deal with. Um, and so certainly that can be an issue and you have, different, but the important thing is that you do what you can to still create the best work environment for this individual. So if you're in a position where you're still working on being able to get the funding for pay and to be able to increase that, um, you know, that is communication with your organization, with your donors, and really that's a lot of education to, to be able to 
increase that. But in the meantime, you can create the best work environment that you can for these team members that you're wanting to bring on. And you can do that again with, you know, that clarity of mission and vision so that they understand what it is they're coming in to do. You can have the kind of rapport like we have talked about with, you know, people understanding that we can have open dialogue and be fallible with each other and we can still have great working relationships out of that. One of the services that we provide um, prior to hiring um, is a great time to, this is typically when we offer this service, is to have standard operating procedures outlined for folks so that they can come in and really hit the ground running versus taking time to, you know, certainly you still need time to train folks, but you want necessarily not to have the train slowed down to a degree. And so, you know, that is one thing that you can do ahead of time um, to prepare yourself for them. And again, that's setting them up for success. And so in that way, you're creating a, a good working environment, which is, you know, a benefit that not every workplace, unfortunately, can say that they have. Right. Exactly. If you look at some of like the news articles or um, hear some people, like when they're talking about why they're leaving and looking for new things, it's a lot of it is work environments. People don't feel valued. They don't feel like their work matters. They don't feel like what the organization does really matters. And if you have an organization where you can show that the work matters, you can show that their role matters in the organization, and you can show that what they personally are doing is making an impact on the role and is making an impact on the organization. And that's making an impact on the client, especially sometimes it's harder to show, but it's most very important to show if they don't directly work with the clients of the organization, you're still able to show that impact. It makes a difference, making them feel that they matter in the bigger picture. And they're not just someone that's completing work to, because the work needs to get done. Exactly. Um, And you really hit the nail on the head there, too, because, you know, going back to your other question and challenging, sometimes, you know, we have this person, this new team member, and we think it's going to be the holy grail to give us our our time and our freedom back. Right. Um, But that's not necessarily a very fair place to put that person either. The goal is not to delegate the feeling of overwhelm that you have with what you are taking on. The idea is for everybody to become more efficient and build each other up. And so when it comes to, you know, being really realistic about what those roles may look like, um, that's really, you know, a heavy responsibility that you take on if you're going to be a leader is to make sure that the team members that you're working with are, you know, in roles where they can be really successful because not only are, you know, they well qualified to do that, but you've also set them up for success and you're not trying to, you know, just dump a bunch of stuff on them. You're really making the work that they do meaningful. Yes. I love that. And I think, I think sometimes we can look at that and say, well, in nonprofits, it's really easy to help them, help them see that their work is meaningful because there is that mission driven uh, work that you're doing. And sometimes you can say, well, it's harder to show it in for-profit companies, but it's, it's really not your business should be, your business is there for a purpose. And like, yes, for for for-profit, you are making a profit at the end of the day, hopefully, you know, you, you're, you're operating differently on the financial end, 
but your business is still serving a purpose. Because if your business isn't really serving a purpose and making an impact on people's lives, you have to question why are you doing that business? You know, so it is there to serve others. It's there to provide products to others that is going to help them in some point of their life, even if it, that, that is providing happiness to their life. You have a purpose. Your business has a purpose and helping them see how they connect with that purpose is something you can do no matter what your business is. Yes. And it's one of those things that I know when I work a lot with a lot of my clients and we're trying to figure out, okay, who is this client? Who is the idea candidate that is right for them when we're going through the hiring process? One of the things I always ask is what makes their company different? Something that makes someone would make one person go, yes, that is the place for me where another person would could read that same thing and go, and nope, that's not the place for me to work. I need to go work someplace else. And so when you think of some of those things, like that can help you really think about the purpose of your company and everything. And what's going to make people happy working for you is, you know, what makes you stand out? Why are you different? There could be 12 other companies in your area and your town providing the exact same thing, but what is your company unique? What makes them unique? What makes them different? And focusing on that and making sure that that drives everything that you're doing, that you're not just providing lip service to something like, oh yeah, we're family friendly. Well, are you really family friendly? Exactly. What are the ways that you're showing that you are, that that is the value that your business finds meaningful? Yes. Yeah. So I know when um, we were talking about getting you on the show, one of the questions that was thrown out there was how do you deal with neurodiversity at work? So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I feel like that is such an important, important um, conversation. And especially from a leadership perspective is as we're truly becoming uh, people that are operating diverse hiring practices, that we should be bringing people in that are in different, uh, that neurodiverse people into our businesses to help run our businesses. And so can you provide any, any tips or stuff to deal with that, um, from a leadership perspective, as you're bringing in people that operate differently in the workplace and they can provide once again, things of value, things that we need, but as leaders, the leadership style to those people might need to be a little bit different because people have different needs. Right. And so, you know, I have such a respect for neurodiversity. We have, you know, that, that is in our family and it's something that we deal with every day. And when we work with clients, it's something that we like to, to keep in mind too, because, you know, everybody works a little bit differently. And what is really magical is that when you can bring those various ways of working together, um, it, it be, it creates this synergy. And that's really when we get to move mountains, which is really cool. Um, as a leader, I think it's important to really get to know your people, right? It's empathy, it's understanding, it's learning who that person is and how they can best serve the organization in what role and really putting them in a position where they are setting, you know, you're setting them up for success. And you know, that can look like a number of different things, right? You can have somebody that is really great at a logistical piece, managing your um, admin or your SOP library or those kinds of things, right? Um, somebody that has more of a creative skill set is, you know, not being asked to do those things and they're in a role that suits them a little bit better. So, you know, that is some of the obvious stuff. But then the other thing that you want to do is 
make sure that you are providing accommodations. Um, things like when we build out our SOP libraries, we make sure that those are a multi-sensory experience, right? This have video, it's gonna have images, it's gonna be written as well. So as much as you can bring that diversity into how information is shared, that can be really helpful for your team as well. But again, what it really boils down to is, is knowing your people and even just asking, how can we support you? Yes, I love that. And you circled back to right as I was going to point out the most important thing there. It's about knowing your people, talking to them, asking questions, which is what you need to do with every team member, no matter if they fall in the neurodiversity category or, or not, like it is finding out what is, what is best for each person of the organization. And that is something that you should do as a true leader. And I think it's also important, like you mentioned, putting people in the right tasks for them. Once again, knowing what you are hiring for. And we recently had a conversation with a client where they were talking about a candidate and struggling on whether to bring this candidate in or not for the position. And one of the things that came up is, well, they just don't have the, the personality that typically fits in with, you know, with, with me, it doesn't necessarily, and they use the word mesh with them, but I don't know if that's necessarily the right, the right way of what they were looking for. And we had to just, we had to have that conversation of, but this is the typical personality of someone who does, who loves these tasks that you're trying to fulfill. You do something completely different in the organization you, uh, you know, you might need someone who has more of a kind of your personality to succeed in what you're doing, but you're delegating these tasks because they're not your strengths. So the person who's going to succeed here, they might have an outgoing personality like you, but in more cases than not, they're not going to have that outgoing personality and they don't need it in the role. And that was like the biggest thing. It's like, what do they need to be successful in the role? Because that outgoing personality does not tie to that attention to detail that is needed. It does not tie necessarily to that deadline driven thing. Doesn't mean a person with outgoing personality can't have attention to detail or be deadline driven, but it's not tied to that ability there. It's just this other factor that we don't really need to be measuring here. We need to figure out, can they do the job? Are we putting them in the right role? Right. A word that I like to kind of think about when leaders are bringing, you know, these people in is to curate your team, because I think that that implies that there's a real care that is done. Right. Um, You want it to be just so. Um, and that can look a little bit different depending on what the, the roles and things like that are. But ultimately, you know, we keep talking about it. It's to be clear and have, you know, some expectations for what that role looks like and then getting to know those people and how they can fit best and fit the puzzles together. Right. Exactly. All right. We are pretty much coming to the end, but there's one topic I want to discuss before we start wrapping up for today. So I believe that if, correct me if I'm wrong, you homeschool your children, correct? I do. All right. So one, I'm sure I'll, everyone who's listening right now, it thinks like running a business and just having a life outside of business already takes a lot of time. How do you balance in homeschooling? How do you keep everything kind of going? So nothing, it feels like it's getting the short end of the stick. So your business is successful and you're being that, that great homeschool teacher parent that your children need. 
Well, to clarify for your audience, we've been homeschoolers since the beginning. So we were not pandemic homeschoolers. That looks very different from what a traditional homeschool family looks like. And the other thing is homeschooling looks very different for a lot of different families. Um, we follow what's called an unschooling um, kind of formula in our homeschool, which means that we do things kind of free flow, which allows us a lot of flexibility. Um, a lot of it goes back to creating more, in, you know, that intention that we've talked a lot about throughout this and planning, you know, what are the big goals that I have for my business? What are the big goals that I have for the kids in homeschool? And, you know, keeping those top of mind allows us then on the day-to-day -day basis to evaluate what are the things that are, you know, am I going to take on today and are they getting us closer to our goal? Right. Um, and so really it's just about having, you know, that really set intention on how we move things forward. Um, because without that, we're just kind of, you know, leaves on the lake and, you know, just getting pushed all over the place. Right. Um, which ends up not being very effective and can lead to burnout. And so, when we bring more intention to the way that we operate, then we can start to fit things in, in a way that feels really balanced um, because we're putting, we're taking on what matters and we're leaving the things that don't. Awesome. And I assumed you were probably going to say something similar to that, which is why I kind of wanted to, to bring it up because I think it ties back to really what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode and how you really need to make sure you're focusing your time on the right things within your business. And here is another example of when you focus on the right things, you have time to do additional important things in your life. So it is, it's very, you have to be very intentional with your time and don't try to do everything at once. Even sometimes the things that need to get done, do they need to get done today? Right. You can do anything but you can't necessarily do everything. And even in our homeschool, I think, you know, I'm a curator. I'm not necessarily the person that sits down at the table every day to do lessons. You know, we have tutors that we have that help us do different things in my business. I have team members that help me with different pieces. And so again, it, it's curating. What does that ideal situation look like? Yes, exactly. And then one more question around that is, uh, well, how many kids do you have? I have three that are currently 13, 10, and seven. All right. So I'm sure if you sat there and thought of, okay, what you did with your, with your oldest, you probably had this like, okay, we got this homeschooling thing down. And then your younger children have probably thrown some curveballs in there where some of it, it's like, all right, here's what I thought we were going to do. But now that it's a different person going through some of those kind of like same lessons, especially think of the, the earlier ages when they're doing some of the, some of the basic things of learning to read, learning to add, learning to subtract and all that stuff that you probably had to change things and operate a little bit differently, depending on who was going through that at that point in time and based on their needs. Correct. Oh yes. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> Every, all of them are different. And I think that that really brings to light the fact that, you know, yes, in my homeschool, but yes, in my business, you've got to be open to shifting things. And again, when you have that clear path that you have laid out, now you have something to evaluate it against rather than just kind of going day by day, it feels very reactionary, which is stressful. And what we want to do is have 
you know, this calm outlook where we have a plan and we have space in the plan that things can shift if they need to shift and it doesn't have to be a big deal. We can just, you know, kind of take the, take the changes when they come and it ends up not being too, too much of a struggle. Yes. Yeah. And like we talked about throughout the onboarding and training of your team members, you have that plan, you kind of, your standing operating procedures of what needs to be trained on what they need to do, but understanding that different people going through that exact same plan are going to need different things. Some people are going to fly through it. Other people are going to need a little bit more handholding. Some people are going to need you to explain the same thing in a different way because it's what they need to process that level of information. And it doesn't mean that they can't do it. So thinking about with kids and learning, kids need different things to learn the same thing. It doesn't mean that they can't learn it and they can't execute it once it's they learn it but they just need something different to get there. And it's the same with our business and onboarding our teams. They can do the job that we need them to do. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Claire. Well, we are at the end of our time today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Well, you can find me on Facebook at Calm Ops. You can find me personally on LinkedIn at Claire Crum. And you can certainly go to our website, which is calm-ops.com. Great. Thank you. And all those links will be in the show notes on growingyourteam.com. All right, Claire, the last question that I love to ask everybody, we have all had leaders or managers in our life, personally or professionally that have stood out to us. Think of one of those leaders or managers, and can you share with them one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? I have been fortunate to have a number of incredible female leaders in my life, which I think have really brought me to where I am today. One in particular that I can think of um, was the founder of a nonprofit organization. And what I always loved about working with her was how open she was with everybody on the team. Um, You know, it goes back to being able to listen and be empathetic and, you know, having the kind of working environment where we could all be who we were and it wasn't necessarily going to be wrong or a detriment, um, really allowed everybody to be their most authentic selves, which really made the team able to do incredible things because we were able to be so in sync together. Great. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for everything that you shared today on the podcast, Claire. It was such a pleasure having you. Thank you. This was really fun. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com. To connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.